0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. The time has come. I like that. The time is now. For Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast.
1: Happy 2013! We're back! Happy New Year, everybody! (laughs) Hope you had a great holiday. Do you feel differently? Uh, You know what? No. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I don't either. I was like, oh, it's a new year, it'll be a new me. Nope, still don't fit in my jeans. I think I had uh, my New Year's resolution,
2: which was to be a better cook, to actually try. How's it going? Oh, it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Did you cook? Uh, A couple of times. Yeah? But nothing nothing
1: really earth-shaking.
2: Except my daughter did say to me that I make good omelette. Oh, that's so a start. So you go, to
1: start. Um, I don't mean to one-up you, but this is what I made for dinner last night. I'm showing you a picture. Wow, a I picture made it's of... It's a chicken paillard in a mushroom, see? mustard, yeah, uh, sherry sauce with chives, and that's a garlic quinoa. You see? You put me to shame. I know. Come over and I, eat more. My husband, the
2: other day, we had people over, and he made the most amazing dinner. Really? The most amazing what make? dinner. He made rolled turkey with cranberry and Mm. sausage stuffing Um, and roast potatoes, cranberry sauce. It was like having Thanksgiving dinner all over again. It was delicious.
1: When are we coming for dinner? I know. Right? should have invited you. I love that. Well, there goes that resolution. It's gone. <laughs> lose weight. Resolutions are made to be broken. I know, but right? Is that your resolution? Well, you know, weight? it always is, right? It's just a setup for failure. Uh, you know, I think <laughs> this... I always have... Um, I always have a re miss party, which we'll talk about because you were there. But I think this year, I around mid-February, I'd like to have a break-your-resolution party where <laughs> you come over and all I'm going to have is just bowls of cigarettes, alcohol, and plates of brownies. Like, that's it. Like, just go full hog. Don't you think? That's my kind of party. <laughs> but, um yeah, I'm hoping to. I, I do better in odd years, which is weird, isn't it? You do? Yeah. See, I Seriously, said,
2: 2013 is going to be a good year for you. I'm hoping. What, diet-wise or uh, business-wise or everything? everything.
1: Okay. <laughs> diet-wise, I think I'm way, well beyond that. Yeah, I'm
2: excited about 2013. I have a lot of projects, a lot of TV right. projects that we're filming, starting in February, filming in Ireland. Can't say what it is for now, um right now, but you will find out soon enough. i uh, very book. excited about it. And you have a book coming? Book coming out March 2013, March the 19th is my book launch, and it's a great book. Mm-hmm. Train Your Dog Positively.
1: See? So already 2013 is looking up. It is looking up. There we go. A few days in and that's it.
2: And we had a great time. We were in Christmas for, uh, sorry, we were in England for Christmas and New Year. And it was lovely. Spent time with my family And it always makes me cry when I hear at midnight the chimes of Big Ben. So it's difficult when I'm here in the States because I have to listen to that at seven o'clock in the evening here in the States because we're seven hours behind. Well, I can't because I I go on CNN or I go on somewhere that's going to have it live. Nowhere, nowhere has it live. And it's really distressed (laughs) me. So, but it's a big deal. No, the BBC isn't ridiculous. No, they don't have it live. How about online? Maybe I should go online. Right. Maybe I should, well. but anyway, I've never been able to successfully hear it. Aww. There's something about hearing Big Ben chime at midnight that well. just sends me into tears. So at least
1: this time I, I got I to hear write it. Write a note here next year by Victoria Fake Big Ben. Uh, is there an app for that? Was it? Was it? Oh, I bet there is. Oh, I'm going to search for one. I'll let you know you. next podcast. Thank you. Um, what was the weather like in England? It was terrible. It <laughs> rained every day. It wasn't so
2: cold, but it rained every day. There was one day when there was sunshine, and that's where that was New Year's Day. And my mother and I went for a walk, and we went for a two-hour walk on Wimbledon Common. And it was just perfect because that is a tradition in England. Mm-hmm. New Year's Day traditionally people go for a long families get together and they go for long walks. So everybody was out walking on the common. Everywhere. Wow. Walking people. It was like New
1: York City. See, here in the US, New Year's Day is for drinking the hair of the dog that bit you and, uh, watching football. Watching football. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry that you were deprived. Um, deprived. Me deprived. Yeah, you didn't have football. You don't have football. Oh, thank goodness! It was
2: fabulous. <laughs> I had a great. I had, we had a great time. So no, it was lovely. Right. And coming back here and starting the year off uh,
1: on a good uh, footing. Uh, so. you started the year off with regiftmas. Yeah. Have to explain what regiftmas is. And for everybody That's who dreadful. likes parties, this is the most fun thing. I want. I want to become a national holiday in the United States. So I need all of you to help me. Let's push it out, and we'll say it started here on the Positively Podcast. <laughs> so here's what regiftmas is. You grab your friends. I do all girlfriends. You can do girls and guys. It's whatever you want. I gather my friends the week after New Year, the first weekend after New Year, and everybody brings a gift that they got for the holidays that they did not want or like. Now, usually it's um, horrific, and we don't take any photos. Photos are not allowed because you don't want anyone to see the picture of the gift that they gave you being pre-gifted, but you do a white elephant party and a white elephant. So if you don't know what that is, everybody gets a number. You put the gifts down. Number one picks a gift. Number two can steal that gift or pick a new gift. If they steal the gift, number one gets another gift and it goes all the way around and we had a blast and you ended up with. I got soap that (laughs) looked like it was the kind
2: of bar that you put in a man's urinal or urinal. Urinal. For those of us who don't speak English. British. It, 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 and, and smelt like it. It was <laughs> disgusting. And I, what else did I get? I got some awful scrapbooking thing. Oh. And I am so not a scrapbooker. It was terrible. But what was funny about it was that I had bought soap that I'd been given. And I'd bought something that my husband had given me. <laughs> Do you know what that was?
1: What was that? I can't remember. My
2: husband gave me. And I think it and it was for him but he gave me it because he, he wanted mad that it for you would it? No, because it was could it be insulting. He bought two of them and he gave one to me. Deodorizers for your shoes. Yeah that's a guy problem. It is a guy problem, and I have to say it's not my problem. I do not have stinky shoes, but I opened this gift, and I was like, "Are you serious?" Yeah. So that was one of my first things that I thought. I know exactly what
1: I'm what I'm bringing for ReGiftmas, and it's going to be that. Oh my gosh! Well, I ended up with a. Um I don't even know how to describe it, a wall hanging, um, and wow. each of the little squares had a different letter on it, and it spelled home in a very country-type dollar store way, <laughs> and um, I ended up with a journal that was the con- a picture of Coney Island that wasn't quite right, <laughs> and at least I threw in some chocolate truffles. Now, I will tell you, in full disclosure, I've not eaten any of them, so I'm not really sure if they're tasty, good, or even still, you know, not stale, but... It was fantastic. I loved it. Favorite gift. It was gift. very, very funny, and there were a lot of great women there. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to laugh, do a regift yeah. yourself. Do it. It's the best way. And plus, it gets rid of all that crap that you don't want. Yes, but then basement. you still
2: come home with some. Right, well, that might I be have to say have
1: thrown away. But see, but what you can do with that is just re-gift it next year to the person who gave you the gift that you didn't want. So all that soap, you should have re-gifted to whomever gave it to you from England. I would never do that. Why not? Well, because it's embarrassing. And you're going to get more soap next yes, year. Yes, I am going to get more soap. you got to teach them a lesson. Is somebody trying to tell me something? <laughs> anyway, um, something uh, switching to a little more serious side, um, but I, I really like this. I know we've talked a lot last year about uh, military dogs, military animals, service animals, and um, I know a lot of us were sort of in holiday mode and not paying attention, but something great happened on December 4th. Um, a bill through Congress passed here in the States that declared all of our military working dogs of all breeds, they're no longer to be classified as, quote, military equipment. Basically, now they can't be left behind wherever they were service uh, dogs. And now they actually have to be, by law, returned to the U.S., And they come back as U.S. heroes. They are classified as U.S. heroes. They will be evaluated, retrained, and rehomed if needed. So no longer can they just say, well, it's part of the equipment, so legally they could leave these dogs there. And I thank our members of Congress. I know that they're having a tough time with the fiscal cliff. I'll give you a pass for a couple weeks because you did this.
2: It's been a long, long time coming. Yeah. But they've done it and it's desperately needed. I mean, these dogs do such an important service out there and their work should be applauded and they should be brought back here and retired and allowed to live their lives, the rest of their lives in peace. And so, uh, I think they're, I think that's a really great thing that Congress has done. Thank you, thank you,
1: thank you. Yes. So a little w- good news to start the new year with. So,
2: well, Later. I, want to, um, I had a great interview um, at the APDT conference. I know we've played some of the interviews that I had, but going straight into doggy stuff. Mm -hmm. This woman is uh, pretty amazing. Her name is Pia Savani, and she is a trainer who I've long since followed. as She is the President of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I did a great interview with her, and she runs a class called Feisty Fidos. Oh. So if you have a reactive dog, I do. A feisty Fido. I do. You've got to listen to this. Alright, let's listen.
0: The positively hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're gonna do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? This he went after her like she's made out of ham. That
2: is interesting.
0: That's exciting. Um, is somebody gonna answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing? You're
2: on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. It's a phone! I'm here at the APDT conference with Pia Silvani, who is doing quite a few talks here, including Feisty Fido, part of a Feisty Fido's program. And um, Pia, could you tell everybody who you are, what you do? And of course, I have visited your fabulous and filmed at your fabulous facility in St. Hubert's in New Jersey. So I've known you for about a year now. I think that's when I met you, or maybe two years ago when we were filming. Anyway,
3: so uh, welcome. Thank you. I'm vice president of training and behavior at st hubert's and i educate uh, not only the trainers but i develop all the curriculum the educational curriculum for our canine coaches our volunteers uh, training trainers Uh, so and it's all about education obviously and um, st hubert's is now in the process of uh, building a large addition, so we hope to get that completed in two years but our back of house will be done so we can do a lot more rehab work um, hopefully by uh, January 1st. Now you
2: deal with quite a lot of dogs that are quite behaviorally compromised. I mean when you're talking about your feisty fidos, you're talking about reactive dogs, talking about nervous dogs, fearful dogs and you have quite a lot of experience, well got a lot of experience with aggressive dogs. Can you tell me in your opinion And I know this is quite a large question to answer, but in your opinion, what makes a dog aggressive? If you had an owner coming to you and saying, my dog is aggressive, would you, what procedure would you go through to find
3: out why? That is a large question. (laughs) I guess, first of all, it depends on a lot of things. Um, Age being number one. uh, How long has the dog exhibited the behavior? And is it truly aggression or is the dog just threatening? Many times people think the dog is exhibiting aggressive behavior when in fact the dog is just threatening, has never bitten, maybe lip curling, growling, basically holding it together. And I really admire those dogs because that's a lot of impulse control. However, with a dog that has bitten, whether it be a human being, another animal, um, then I need to really dive into the history to see how long the dog has been exhibiting, what is the environment like, um, can it be managed, is this dog truly a dangerous dog to society, Um, if there are children in the household uh, or they're planning on bringing children into the household, that's always dangerous. Um, If it's dog-dog interaction, again, that depends. um, A lot of times sibling rivalry. Um, It's very workable. But it's stressful for people. You know they want it to go away and they think that aggression's an abnormal behavior. when you and I both know it's a normal behavior. And most of the time it's really due to lack of socialization or they become desocialized. They started off on the right track and um, they stopped training. So that's why you and I both agree. They have to keep them social, keep training what
2: would you also say to people because you know obviously out there there is a lot of misinformation about how to train or rehabilitate aggressive dogs what would you say to people about the process is it a quick fix or is it going to take time we as a nation we like quick fixes we want things to happen fast I understand why people want that because If you're living with a dog that's exhibiting aggressive behavior, you're understandably worried about what that dog can do. So, as quick a fix as possible is that that's what people want. But in reality, what is the reality of the situation when you have a dog that has bitten before? what do you tell people? Is this going to be a quick fix? Is this curable at all? Is this Can the dog go through a certain amount of rehabilitation? What in your opinion is the difference?
3: I love that question. It's a great question. No, there, I don't believe that there is a fix or a cure for aggressive behaviors because personality drives behavior, emotions drive behavior. So we need to take a look. Like you and I are going to react entirely different to a a particular situation, just like somebody else might. You know, you might get angry, I might get angry in another context. Neither of us would. Maybe one of us would. Dogs are the same way. Um, What they need to learn is to control their tempers and do something different. But there, I don't think there's a quick fix. Nor do I think there is a fix when dogs have exhibited behaviors and have bitten. Uh, What people need to understand is they need really strict management, they need to establish boundaries, Uh, they need to be careful and not get a false sense of security. Many times when we slowly go through our protocols and our behavior mod, they're gonna see success and they're gonna think that the dog is quote unquote fixed or cured and then they go back to their old ways. And it's just like any habit, also, sometimes like I've been a nail-biter on and off, but depending on my emotional state, I might, not, I might not bite my nails for years, and then all of a sudden I feel myself biting my nails because I'm going through a stressful time, and dogs are the same way.
2: What would you say to these people, and I know I'm asking a lot of different questions, quite heavy questions, but what would you say to those people that say that aggression is an animal's way or a dog's way of displaying dominance over their human in order to achieve a higher rank. That's so false,
3: <laughs> it truly is. There's, we don't even know if dogs have dominance behavior. Um, you know, the the scientists are still fighting over this and they're going back and forth. So I really avoid the use of dominance um, and what dominance is, but I, how I try to explain to pet owners is that dominance is about resources. And it's who wins most of the time. So when a dog is growling at an owner because he doesn't want to be off the bed or something, again, that has nothing to do with dominance. It means the dog is being a brat and he's he's never been taught to politely get off the bed. So I I tell them, don't even go there. Don't even think about it. Um, And don't use the word. Let's just drop the word out of the vocabulary.
2: Would you say that the term controlling behavior is a better explanation of a dog's intentions rather than the D
3: word? Yeah, I, I like that phrase. Um, you know, I think that there are certain situations where dogs do want to be in charge of, of, of a particular situation. For example, you know, don't touch my food. Uh, so the dog could exhibit threats or aggression and that's very very workable situation where dogs I feel I've I had a pup I have a puppy right now who exhibited resource guarding over his food when he was eight weeks and he's absolutely fine right now Um, so I think that type of behavior but you always have to do cold trials but in those situations yeah I do think they want to control people um, because they're afraid that the resource is going to be taken away and most aggression is fear-based the majority, I would say 98% of aggression that I deal with is fear-based.
2: What about, okay, so fear-based, we understand that, but what about anger? Is there a certain component of anger in aggressive behavior? Can dogs get angry like people get angry and lose it?
3: Um, I guess I, I don't know. It, sometimes, I think I've seen dogs that have gotten into fights and they appear to be angry. know they've given warnings they've given really clear signals that they don't want to interact that they don't want to play anymore uh, that they're done leave me alone stop mounting me Um, so i think they can get angry and turn and tell another dog off because they're annoyed Um, but I don't know if I'm anthropomorphizing by calling it anger, but it certainly appears that way in certain situations. So yeah, I do think they can get angry. If we're talking about anthropomorphizing,
2: I like that. I love that word. That's one of my favorite words. Do dogs have
3: feelings? Oh, I absolutely think they do. Without a doubt, I think they have many, many more feelings than we give them credit for. I mean, we've seen, you've seen a dog sad. Um, you know, sometimes the loss of a family pet, I mean, they certainly do appear sad. Um, I, they're happy too, I mean, happiness is a feeling, so we, we see joy in animals when, when, when they're happy. Um, they're scared, they're frightened, those are emotions, those are feelings, so I truly believe that dogs do have feelings.
2: What would you say today to somebody who, a pet owner is just, or, or somebody who's thinking of getting a dog or a pet owner with an existing dog that's having issues, what would you say to them with regards to the training style that they should adopt with that dog? And also
3: give me your thoughts about the dominance
2: training style that's, that's out there. Well,
3: I have no patience at all for any dominance training styles. Um, many times I want to tell them to, um, there are certain people on television. (laughs) We're not going to mention names, but I don't like that methodology because, um, to me, that methodology is using, it's using force to try to gain respect. And I'm not going to respect anyone and anybody when if they're going to force themselves on me um they're getting a lot more from sugar so if they're really looking to do behavior modification go to someone a, that has experience interview them get references and somebody that does reward based training um, it does work you know it works it's fun uh they will see People say, well, it, it, it can take a lot longer. Well, we don't know that. There haven't been any studies on that. So we really don't know. Uh, but do your research. Um, go to a certified trainer also who knows what they're doing. Um, but don't just uh, look in the phone book in the yellow pages or, go, or, or Google someone's name, dog trainer. I mean, get your references, and I think that's the important key factor. Thank you so
2: much for talking to me today Thank you also for what you do for dogs in this country and around the world I've heard you speak a lot I have watched your DVDs I have I've read everything that you've written all your articles and I have to say that you know I respect you a lot for what you do um, and i I hope that more people will trainers will learn from what you and from what other people like you do so thank you so much for joining me today
0: hey you got something on your mind what, are you a wizard of genius how do they make a miniature i mean is there some way some process they they physically miniaturize the dog or is it a puppy or what what the devil is going on
1: that's a really good question
2: I've got my work cut out for me here.
0: Next time you want to know something, can
2: you repeat the question?
0: Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. You Uh, obviously don't know
1: my dog. (laughs) Just
0: ask Victoria.
1: Okay, let's ask Victoria, shall we? (laughs) Fire away. All right. Let's open our mailbag here, and uh, let's get to the first question from Virginia, who's in Arizona. I'm not exactly sure where in Arizona, but the question is, Victoria, what do you think about dog psychology, and do you use it in your training? I've always thought that dominance pack leadership training was the best, but I recently started researching and found out about the reward-based way of training. Yay. Yay. I was editorial. I'm not sure which way is better or if a combination of both would be good. Your advice would be very much appreciated. Thank you so much. I'm the wrong person to ask about this because of course (laughs) I'm going to say
2: reward-based training is best. Look, psychology, it's funny, isn't it? Because people think that uh, if you practice or it's only dominance training or that kind of style that practices dog psychology, that if you're a reward-based trainer all you're doing is sort of teaching dogs to certain stay and you're not dealing with behavior because Virginia is not the only person to kind of allude to the fact that do I practice dog psychology? Do I deal with behavior? Um, or, you know, it, so, so it's interesting. I, I, I come across this a lot. Look, psychology, psychology is the science of the mind and behavior of human, humans and animals. So if you're talking about do I deal with dog psychology, yes, I do, because I am all behind the science. That's basically all I do is use what we've learned in research and observational study to enable myself to be able to understand and teach dogs better. To be a psychologist, certainly here in the US, you need a doctoral degree, Mm -hmm. and that's generally recognized. So you People out there call themselves dog psychologists when they're actually not dog psychologists at all because they don't have degrees in psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's false. Really, that's a false representation of what they do. So I am a dog trainer. I teach dogs how to learn. And I am a behavioral specialist. I deal with behavior. And all of this dominant stuff that's out there and pack leadership theory is based on what I call quicksand. It's null and void. It's meaningless. But obviously, as we know, it's enjoyed a resurgence in the last six years and has become very popular as a kind of mainstay of this is how you teach dogs. Um Reward-based training is very different. Here's, here's. I'm I'm going to boil it down for you very quickly. The difference between the traditional style of training, dominance training, as she she, as she has alluded to here, pack leadership theory, and the difference between positive reinforcement, which is reward-based learning, is this. Dominance training relies on suppressing behaviour with by punitive means and forcing your will upon the dog so the dog is not able to think for itself you the trainer or the person thinks for the dog by imposing their will upon the dog let's say the trainer wants the dog to sit instead of teaching the dog how to sit the trainer will yank on the dog's collar put the hand on the dog's bottom and force the dog's bottom onto the ground whilst the trainer says sit that is the dominant way of doing it Or worse things, using shock collars to do it, okay? The positive reinforcement trainer encourages the dog to learn and problem-solve and think for itself. So instead of putting the hand on the butt or jerking the collar up so the dog has to sit, the the positive reinforcement trainer puts a treat or a toy in front of the dog and waits for the dog to offer the behavior or lures the behavior with a treat in front of the dog's nose by sort of just lifting the treat up so the dog has to lift its head up and as it lifts its head its bottom goes on the ground. And then dog makes association that it gets the reward when it's put its butt on the ground and then a word is put to the action. So while dominance training relies on suppression, positive reinforcement training relies on encouraging the dog to think, encouraging the dog to problem solve, thereby encouraging the dog to learn. And instead of suppressing negative behavior, it's understanding why the behavior is occurring in the first place and working with the dog on how to change the way the dog reacts and feels inside. Suppression, suppression does not change behavior. Suppression suppresses behavior, but it doesn't change the way the dog feels inside. Positive reinforcement encourages good behavior and it um, relies on teaching the dog, giving the dog something else to do rather than dodging the negative behavior and makes the dog feel differently about a certain stimulus. Am I making myself yeah, clear? Perfectly. Is that, is that perfect? And clear? that's
1: what your book's come about in March. You're coming Train with Your Dog March. Positively
2: is all about that. And so if you want to be in the dark ages, Virginia, <laughs> then yes, you can continue with the pack theory and dominance bs but that's what it is it's quicksand it's bs go for the modern day fantastic um scientific way of training that has been proven time and time again to not only be a wonderful method or uh, conglomeration of methods to teach dogs to learn but is really vital in improving dogs behavior
1: Good answer. And like
2: Virginia, if you want to have a great positive reinforcement, if you live in the Phoenix area, I don't know where in Arizona you live, but if you live in the Phoenix area, I have two great VSPDT, which are Victoria Store Positive Dog Trainers in, in the Phoenix area. Sharon Witherspoon and the other trainer is Catherine Breeden, and her her company is called Be Kind to Dogs, and you can find them by going to Positively.com slash trainers.
1: There we go. All right, next question is from Carla Bra. How would you pronounce that? B R O U G H. She's from Stafford, so it's obviously British. Bra. Bra. Mm-hmm. Bra. bra. Sounds like a bra. I'm going to call her Carla. Uh, a friend Spencer. has just lost one of their dogs, and the other is mourning terribly. He has lost interest in playing and going out and even eating. He has lost a dangerous amount of weight and just curls up in a ball and sleeps all the time. She's tried doing positive training to give him something else to think about, taking him for extra walks or trips out, feeding him his favorite foods and giving him extra one-on-one time with treats, play, and cuddles, but it's slowly getting worse. Is there anything else she can do to help him? And this is something you and I've talked about a lot, and I'm really fascinated by all of this. I think talking about that. Animals mourn. I mean, I had two cats that were brother and sister, and one of the cats had a had a cancer and basically died at the age of four, and my other cat mourned her for months, and I didn't know what was going on, and the vet said they're just like us. They are just like us,
2: and I've seen so many dogs that so they suffer from depression. They're grieving. Mm-hmm. When that and other dogs been around for so long and now that other dog's gone, they don't know where that dog has gone. They don't understand the whole idea of death and that that dog has gone to, you know, is no longer coming back. There's a sense of abandonment there, which is really depressing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, bless Carla. She's helping. She's doing all the right things. And I would just say continue with it. Now, if you do have room for a second dog in your life, That has really helped in the past. You bring another being into the household that your dog can relate to, Mm. and that brings them out of their shell and makes them live again. I would do sort of plenty of socializing, not just taking the dog out for walks, for solitary walks, but getting that dog involved in doing playdates if it's a sociable dog and really getting to have some interaction with other dogs that will be able to put it out of itself. Now, if it's getting worse, you know, you might have to go back to your veterinarian or a veterinary behaviorist and... Go the medication route.
1: Right, which could work too. Which could really like work humans. because it
2: takes the stress off that, that awful feeling of depression, that awful feeling of bleakness. And, um, and, and it just takes the edge off. It doesn't drug your dog. It doesn't change your dog. It just takes the edge off. So I think that, Carly, you could try that now. I also have one of my fabulous trainers, Stephen Dernan from School for Paws, who is very close to where you live. Um, near Stafford. And again, if you go to com slash trainers get his help because he'll be able to come along and and give you pointers on more things to do. But yeah,
1: animals Mm. grieve too. Oh, that breaks my heart. Good luck, Carla. Let us know. I'm I'm hoping that, that uh, she'll be able to sort of distract him. I mean, I know that it's kind of like humans too, in a lot of ways. And, you know, when it's time, you know, it's that old adage, you know, time heals all wounds and you don't want to think about it, but eventually it makes it a little bit easier, I think. Mm -hmm. And it may be for the dog as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is from Nikki in Stillwater, Minnesota. She says, we have a five month old 70 pound great Dane who's peeing in his crate. He's housebroken and sleeps on his doggy bed in our room throughout the night, which is about eight hours. Uh, the routine, here's the routine. He's let out in the morning. He eats, he lays back down on bed. We offer water half an hour later, recommended for Dane's stomach for digestion. He stays pretty much on his bed as I get ready for work. I roughhouse a bit and let him out to do his business, and then he's crated for three and a half hours, chew toy and good boy praise and with treat. Sometimes he won't take the treat. And then she returns at lunch. He usually urinates in his crate. I am calm when I crate him, and when I take him out upon arrival at home, I don't scold him. I just wash, replace, and clean the crate. But what can I do? Please help.
2: Well, you know, Nikki, I love the fact you're doing a whole schedule. This is, this is brilliant. Um, you still though, you know, your, your dog is only five months old and you've got to work. I understand that, but still even five months old to be in a crate for three and a half hours is still quite a long time for a puppy, essentially. And, you know, I love the fact you've got a schedule. You really understand Danes. I do think that, um, If there's somehow you could get some sort of dog walker in them, in to to break that time up, Mm -hmm. that could be really beneficial, not just for the uh, elimination problem, but also just for your dog's general well being. I like the fact that you come in and you don't scold scold him because it wouldn't work anyway. It would just Mm -hmm. make your dog more anxious. But what you said, what you wrote also was a red flag. Sometimes, you know, the dog won't take treats. Why won't, why, why doesn't your dog take treats just as you leave? Is it because your dog is suffering with a little bit of separation anxiety and that you haven't got a house training problem at all? Mm -hmm. You've actually got an anxiety problem with your dog because urination is a real expression of anxiety, especially when dogs are by themselves. Because he doesn't go in the night. He's fine throughout the day when she's there. Yeah, but when he's by himself in the crate for three and a half hours, he's peeing.
1: And isn't it unusual or is this a fallacy that dogs don't like to defecate where they sleep they don't they really don't they don't like to urinate urinate
2: defecate where they sleep they're essentially very clean animals Mm -hmm. so something's going on here that's encouraging to do this and i don't think it's just because he's a five-month old pup even though he's still a puppy Mm -hmm. you've got to break up that three and a half hours
1: And should she also work on sort of that, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast, that separation anxiety, the leaving and going away for different amounts of time or even in another room where he knows she's there?
2: I think at the moment, uh, independence training while she's in the home is important. And that means if you go into the bathroom, shut the door. If you're going to have a shower, shut the door so that your dog has experience of being away from you but also is comforted by the fact that you're there, but is not with you all the time. Dogs, just it would be really interesting to know the answer to this question. Does your dog follow you from room to room? Dogs that follow people from room to room all the time do have a tendency to suffer from anxiety or separation. And so just stop that. Go into rooms sometimes and uh, into your bedroom and read a book. And that'll gradually allow your dog to sort of be able to cope without you. So... Again, I, I think this n- needs a trainer, and thankfully I've got a, quite a few trainers around, which Good. is great, because Good. everywhere I get these questions, <laughs> there's a trainer. So one of my um, amazing trainers is called a- Amy Sandman, and she's in the Minneapolis area close to you. Uh, her uh, her company is called Amy's Canine Connection. And again, for any of these trainers, if you want to find a Victoria Still Positively trainer in your area, please go to positively.com slash trainers.
1: Perfect. All right. And, uh, if you have any questions for Victoria, you want to ask her any questions, go to positively.com slash podcast. Send us your questions or comments. I mean, maybe you want to tell us a funny story because sometimes we like to be entertained ourselves. So, uh, great. That'll do it. And, uh, that'll do it for our podcast this week. And um, the first one, the inaugural of 2013. It is. And it's going to be better, get better
2: and better. We've got some really cool, um, sort of future plans yes. for our
1: podcast. It's new ideas, a new year. We're taking our time and doing it, and we'll have a big, something big and exciting and fun. But if you have any suggestions, email us on that as well, positively.com slash podcast. Anything you want to hear, anything you want us to talk about, anything you think would be great for the podcast, we'd love to have it. Um, I'd like to say that we would give you royalties, but I don't think we can because um, we don't get paid. But uh, we would give you our undying thankfulness and love.
2: And I'm excited because on Friday, I'm going to be filming with German television, 6TV, Six S-I-X-X-TV, because they just premiered It's Me or the Dog in Germany. Wow, and you're going to be big in the Deutschland. Yeah, premiered on the <laughs> 27th of December. Don't ask me to pronounce It's Me or the Dog in German. You're going to have to learn that, you know. I am going to have to learn it, but I'm going to be filming, doing some great filming with them this Friday. They're flying all the way over. Wow. To, to film with me. So it's great. I love the fact that it's Meal the Dog's gonna be in Germany. Are they
1: I, wanna, gonna, I wanna go there. Let's go. Are they gonna start with um are they gonna start with season one or are they starting No, I think season? they're just they're picking. So random one. Random stuff. You better start learning your German, sister. I better all I know is schnell, schnell. What's that mean? Hurry, hurry. Okay. There you go. well Germany, here I come.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwells Positively Podcast. <laughs> For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook as Victoria Stilwell or follow her on Twitter at It's Me or the Dog. This Positively podcast has been brought to you by Pets Ad Life, who encourage you to get a pound for your pet. Visit PetsAdLife.org or the Pets Ad Life Facebook page to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets.